Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Luke 24. Last week, we started to take a look at what it meant to be witnesses, that God has called us to be witnesses. And I want to just continue on in that passage. So in Luke 24, uh, and I'm going to pick up in verse 46. Luke 24, verse 46 is where I'm going. I want to, I want to continue on in that we are called to be witnesses and in this thought about being empowered to be witnesses. In Luke 24, 40, 46, it says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses. Some of you are with me. And you are witnesses, witnesses of these things. Behold... If you have a highlighter, a highlighter, underliner, something, you need, you need to do it in your Bible. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are what? Endued with power from on high. I love that. Behold, I send the promise of my Father. Now, I, I'm not going to go into... Uh, promise of the Father and all that right now. That's a whole nother message. And, and, but man, what, what a picture. I just want to capture that phrase for a moment. If you've never heard this before or never heard us teach on this before, there was a, there's a promise made between the Father and the Son. And the Father said, if you'll become the, the redemption, if you'll become the propitiation, the sacrifice, I'm making a promise with you that I will pour out my Spirit. That is the promise. Can you put that verse back up? That is the promise of the Father. That the, the outpouring, this was a, this was a uh, Jesus was telling them, about Acts 2, what was getting ready to transpire. I'm going to pour out upon you the promise of my Father. You and I need the Father's promise. It doesn't just end at, at salvation. Thank God for salvation. And if that was all he gave us, thank God for redemption. But there's more. There's more available to you and I. And uh, thank God for that. So that the promise of the Father. When Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he preached, he captured the, 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 this, this idea. He said, this which you now see and hear. Uh, what was he talking about in Acts 2.33? When, you know, the... The people were in upheaval. There was a, a absolute pandemonium and chaos going on in church that day. They were they were praying in tongues. They heard this. They heard these people who had gathered for the feast that were now praying in tongues, praying in other languages, and they understood them. And some of them were praying in in languages of, of earth, and they were praying out, singing out, praising out, declaring out worship to God. And Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. These, these you know, they were all, all the spectators, all, all of the people that were watching the scene, watching the 120 in absolute commotion. Can you just picture that this morning? If You know, we've had a pretty great service this morning, but it hasn't drawn crowds in from outside. 
You know, it hasn't drawn in people from outside and people watching and looking. What's going on with them? They look drunk. And that's, that's exactly what was happening. The city was full of hustle and bustle for the, for the feast. And, and, and they were hearing all of these 120 followers of Jesus. Mary was there. Peter was there. Luke was there. They were all there. And they were watching. There were witnesses of what was happening. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it was full on what they thought chaos. But what it, what it really was, was God order. They, it, wasn't, it wasn't man's order. It wasn't, it wasn't, man couldn't control it. Man couldn't control what was happening. God walked in the room. God the Holy Spirit walked into the room. And there was this outpouring of the Spirit of God upon the people. And they began to pray in tongues and worship God. And, and there, was, there was this mass chaos. They thought they were all drunk. They started looking at each other and saying, these... These people are drunk. They've lost their ever-loving mind. You might be thinking that this morning, looking at some of the people around you. They've lost their ever-loving Why are they shouting? Why are they singing? So Why are they so happy? Tell them to be quiet. <laughs> They've lost their mind. They thought they were drunk. And Peter stands up and says, these men are not drunk. These people that you see are not drunk. This isn't that. But this is what was prophesied in Joel, that God says he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And he, and he begins to prophesy from Joel chapter 2. And you fast forward. And in verse 33, he says, This which you now see and hear is being poured out by who? Jesus. This is the heavenly ministry of Jesus. And so as Jesus talked about in Luke 24 before he ascended, he said, I'm going to send the promise of my Father. Now, I'm not preaching this. This isn't my message. This is just a, this is a freebie for you. If you go on in that verse, he, he uses this word, you will be endued with power. You will be, that word means to be clothed with. You will be clothed with power. I want to take a look at today what we are clothed with. As believers, what have you and I been clothed with? You know, if you go to a, a, a funeral or a formal dinner and, and you're wearing bright colored clothes and, you know, bright, you know, maybe bright colored shoes. I have some red Converse I like to wear. If I walked in to do a funeral in my red Converse and some pink pants and, and some, you know, my, me, Mike and I would be, he'd do my funeral like that, Pastor. <laughs> you know, you might look out of place. It's important to know what you're wearing. <laughs> it's important for you to know what you're clothed in. You know, I, I grew up in, a, in, a in the church in a time and a season where people were always talking about, well, you got to put on the armor of God, you know, and it was always, you got to be fully clothed in the armor of God. And I, I believe me, I, I'm all about being clothed in the armor. But uh, the question I always ask about that is, when did you ever take it off? Why, why did you take it off? You, you were given the armor, you're supposed to wear it. You never left the battle, right? You know, you're still on the front line, right? You didn't go camp out and hide away somewhere. So you got to know what you're wearing. Tap your neighbor and say, what you got on? You got to know what kind of clothes you got on this morning. So I want to take a look at, as we're talking about this, I love, 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 love the story of Joseph and his coat of many colors. You know, this Joseph's coat really portrays what you and I have been clothed with. It's that 
coat of favor, that coat of blessing. You know, Joseph was loved by his father Jacob more than any of the other kids. And, of course, that, that led to some problems for Joseph later on. But, but in the meantime, he got this coat of many colors. It's, it's this great prophetic picture of, of how God has clothed you and I. Our Heavenly Father has sought us out and clothed us. He's wrapped us up in our garments of salvation. So I want to take a look at that. So So Luke says here that we're clothed with power. We've been endued with power. It's spiritual power. Ephesians talks about this, that there is a power that is at work within us. God has given us a supernatural power that is at work within us in Ephesians chapter 3. And in verse 19, it says that we, Paul prayed this. He, He said, I want you to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be what? Filled up with all the fullness of God. You and I can be filled up with all the fullness. Can, can you think about that for a moment? The fullness of God. The one who is holding the universe in, in, in cosmos right now. Keeping it in order. Keeping the earth spinning on its axis. Keeping the sun at the right distance from the earth. Keeping everything moving. And, and, and even to the degree that we can't even begin to explore the vastness the, the, the astronauts and scientists can't even begin to explore the vastness of space. That God who says he's omnipresent, he's present everywhere, he's holding it, that God. You can be filled with all the fullness. I think about the God who's, who is holding the expanses together. We can be filled with his fullness. We're clothed with power from on high. We're clothed with his power. In Acts, we see some examples of this fullness of God's power. In Acts 4, it says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and he spoke to them. And the rulers and the observers could could not begin to understand the boldness with which Peter was preaching. They recognized that he had been with Jesus, but but this boldness that came upon him because of the fullness of the Spirit. In Acts 4.31, it says that when they had prayed, I love this, when they had prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and the place was shaken. (laughs) The building shook. Because there was such power in the place. There, there was such intensity of their prayer and such an outpouring of the Spirit that the building shook. And they, what, they spoke the Word of God with boldness. It was the very thing that got them arrested. It was the very thing that was causing problems for them. But it was what God responded with. He gave them boldness. You and I need to speak the Word of God with boldness. That comes from the fullness of the Spirit that we can begin to proclaim His Word with boldness. In Acts chapter 6, we find Stephen. And it says of Stephen that he was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit whom the Jews could not withstand and argue. 
This man who was a deacon, he was serving the tables, waiting on the widows. Remember the story in Acts 6, the, the widows, all the, all the uh, seniors were getting upset in church because they weren't getting their needs met, and they caused a stink among the people. You go read it, and that's what happened. They were causing a problem, causing issues. And so the apostles said, we don't have time. We, we've got to, we are taking the gospel around the world. We can't deal with this. And so that's, that's where deacons became... Uh, began to minister, and Stephen was one of those. He was selected to be a deacon, and he began to wait on the people, and signs and wonders were happening as he waited. Can you, can you imagine going to the missions lunch in just a few moments and sitting down to get a big spoonful of jambalaya and taking a big old bite of that bread pudding and, and up walks Mike Sloan and he looks at you and says, you got a problem with your back? God's going to heal your back. Be healed in Jesus' name. And you're, whoa, I just got healed. That was Stephen. Boldness. He began to wait on the table. Well, he, he wanted him to be your waiter. <laughs> you ever went to a restaurant and had bad service? He wanted to, they didn't, that wasn't the case with Stephen. He was the best. Everybody wanted Stephen. But the Jewish leaders didn't like what he was doing, and they tried to argue with him, but they couldn't. It says that he was full of the Spirit of God. They couldn't withstand him. They couldn't argue him. In Acts 7, Stephen was being martyred and being full of the Holy Spirit. He gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. My goodness. Can you be so full of the Spirit of God that you just you can have an open vision of heaven in that just so full of the Spirit of God in that moment being you people are stoning you people are stoning you and you you're so full so clothed with the spirit of god that it it's it's like water off a duck's back it doesn't even the stoning doesn't isn't even affecting you you're so focused on heaven that you see the heavens open and see the glory of god and jesus standing at the right hand of the father my goodness so full barnabas in acts 11 I mean, we could go on and on and on, but Barnabas, this is a great one. He was full of the Holy Spirit. It was a man who was, he was just a servant. He was just serving along a Paul, but God put his hand on Barnabas and said, you demand, I'm calling you not just to serve, but I want you to step up. You're going to lead. And what does it say about Barnabas in Acts 11? That considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. He was full of the Spirit and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord, clothed with power from on high. In Isaiah 61 verse 3, it says, to grant those, the Spirit of the Lord. You remember Jesus quoted this. He read this in, in Luke chapter 4. But, but in verse 3, it says, to, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle, or we, we translate, translate that a lot, instead of mantle, the garment of praise, instead of a spirit of fainting or heaviness, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he might be glorified. That word garment here, and it's translated here for you, but it, it's the word mantle. It's the garment that has been placed upon you. It's like, a, it's like Elijah's uh, mantle, Elijah's mantle being placed on, a, on Elisha. It's, that, it's, it's the anointing, it's that clothing that's placed upon you. Instead of your ashes... Instead of your brokenness, 
You know, what, what, what are the ashes? It's the, it's the burned up, burnt out areas of your life that, that you look at and you don't think anything good could ever come of that. You, you know, if you leave ashes around long enough, we have a, we have a wood fireplace in our house. You leave those ashes from the wood in the fireplace long enough, the, the circulation from the flu will come down and it starts, that smell starts to fill your house. And you can smell the ashes, and you can walk into your home, and you're like, ugh, that's from that fire a couple weeks ago we didn't deal with, you know, we didn't clean out those ashes, and you can, you can smell it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or you get around somebody who's been, been around the fire, and they smell like that, that smoke, that ashy. And we carry, if we're not careful, we carry the ashes of our brokenness around. We carry the fragrance of that, of that, that stench of the ashes. Well, they done me wrong. And, and, and we carry the stench stench of that around with us. We carry the stench of our past. We carry the, the heaviness. We carry around the heaviness, the weight of the issues, the weight of our sin, the weight of, our, uh, of all of the broken areas of our life. Does anybody hear me this morning? People get up next to you and hmm, what's on you? <laughs> you know, Paul talked about either a fragrance or a stench. You smell like a stench. <laughs> carrying around all of the old mess. But what, what does Jesus say here? What is Isaiah prophesying about, about Jesus? And of course, Jesus quotes this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. There's an anointing upon Jesus. And that anointing is transferable to you. Is what he's saying. There's, there's an anointing upon me. Jesus said this in Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. And I'm going to place upon you the mantle of praise. I'm taking from my anointing and I'm placing my anointing on you. There's a garment of praise, a mantle of praise and an anointing of praise coming upon you. Instead of your heaviness, instead of your ashes, I'm going to take away the stench of your brokenness. Out of, out of, the, out of the brokenness, there's going to come a song. Out of, the, out of the bad news, there's going to come beauty. I'm going to, I'm going to take out the old, the, the messed up, the broken down areas of your life. And out of that's going to come a song of praise. Yeah, praise him. <laughs> I think about the, the prodigal son. You know, here, here you have the, the son that has wasted his inheritance. He's wasted his life. And he comes back and the father is watching, watching for the prodigal son. He's not just busy about his work, but he's watching. And from afar, he sees the prodigal running. He sees from a distance the son that was lost now coming home. My God. And he, he runs. What a picture of Christ. And he, he could have left him in his broken rags. He could have left him in his torn up mess, his filth. He could have left him smelling like the pigs and the harlots that he had wasted his life on. But no, he goes after him. He runs after him. And he calls for a garment. He calls for the robe to be placed upon his son. He cleanses. He washes off all of the, 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 the nasty filth, the rags, the brokenness, and places upon him his fatherly robe. 
And he's done that. God has done that for you and I. And he comes running after us and cleans us, washes us, and places upon us this robe of praise. We become identified with our Father. We're no longer identified with the brokenness of our past, but he gives us a garment of praise. Hallelujah. And Isaiah 61, if you continue on down to verse 10, says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. I love that. He's clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. That word to, you know, clothe me with a robe or wrap me, to envelop me. You just think about when you, when you the father, running out to meet his son, the prodigal son in that moment, and he falls on him. He fell onto his son. He hugged him, embraced him, and kissed him. It was, he was, he was enveloped. Do you see what I'm saying this morning? He was enveloped by his father. I didn't deserve it. We sang it this morning. I didn't earn it. I couldn't, I couldn't earn it. But my, my father, who loved me, came running out to meet me and enveloped me. He clothed me. He wrapped his righteousness around me. It wasn't a righteousness of my own. I, I, I didn't earn that righteousness. No, it was a righteousness that was imputed upon me. It was placed upon me. It was the righteousness of Christ. We talked about last week. It, it was the righteousness that was obtained through suffering that Christ he became the, the perfect righteousness. And in that suffering, he, he became this humble servant. He went led like a lamb to the slaughter for you and I. And that obtained, that perfect son, that perfect righteousness and suffering, obtained for you and for me a righteousness, not of our own, a righteousness that I couldn't, I couldn't earn it, I couldn't deserve it, but he places it upon me. He takes off my, somebody needs to shout this morning. He takes off, my God, he takes off my brokenness, my filth, my sin. Yeah, your sin. <laughs> How great is your sin that separates you from God. And you, and you feel the weight of that. You feel when, when you're carrying, it's like Isaiah was talking about this heaviness. You feel the weight of that sinfulness on you. You know, just even as, as believers, if you think about for a moment as believers, if we, even, even the slightest disobedience, you feel that. When, it, when you say something you shouldn't say, or you, you respond in a way that you shouldn't in a, in a situation, you feel that, oh my gosh, I, God, I'm sorry. And you feel that, that heaviness, at least you should. <laughs> if not, I would, I would say that you're bent over and you don't even know it. But, but the, you feel the heaviness of that. And God takes that. He takes that off. He takes off that heaviness. He takes off that sinfulness. And He places upon us His righteousness. <laughs> I'm so thankful for the righteousness of Christ. I'm so thankful for, for righteousness that... That when God looks at me, 
when God sees me, when he, when he looks through, through, through the windows of heaven and he begins to look into my life, he doesn't see me for who I used to be. He doesn't observe me as a sinner, as broken. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't look at me and say, oh, you're such a mess. But he looks at me and he sees the clothes of righteousness that's been placed upon me. Oh yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't give me a, a reason to be prideful or arrogant. Oh, look at me, look at my clothes. I'm a better Christian than you are. You know, it does, I, 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 I'm, I'm found in an absolute humility. It's, it's humiliating to realize that I'm absolutely a wretch. Um, if the garment wasn't there, if the, if the clothes of Christ weren't placed upon me, oh, I'd be a broken, absolute wretch, a, a mess of a man. But, but in it, Christ found me. And He's placed His garments. He's covered my sin. He's covered my shame. He's covered my nakedness. And it's with His garments. Oh, it's, it's humiliating to recognize. It's humbling to see. That this righteousness is not of my own. It's not of my own. The just, the, the righteous, in Romans 1.17, the righteous shall live by faith. How, how are we to do that? You know, Luther beat upon this scripture. How, how will a man who is a sinner and sinful by nature, how can a man live by faith? It's impossible. How can a broken wretch of a man live by faith until, until you realize that you've been clothed with a righteousness not of your own. It's not of the works that I do, but it's of the righteousness of Christ. Oh my God. Yeah, he's placed upon me. He's placed upon me. Thank you, Lord. Excuse me if I get happy. <laughs> Psalms 30 verse 11 says you have turned for me my morning into dancing you have loosed <laughs> I love this you've loosed I've, it's like that donkey that we talked about a couple weeks ago who was bound up you've been bound up in sackcloth but you have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness you have clothed me with gladness, and it translates into the word girded. It means to, it's like taking your belt. You know, if you, if you got, let me tell you something. If you've got loose pants, buy a belt. I'm just going to tell you, I don't want to see any of that. Buy yourself a belt. If you're watching via live streaming and you don't have a belt, come to Night of Hope. We have all kinds of clothing. We'll, we'll hook you up with a belt. I'm, I'm not talking bad about anybody. You, you're better than that. You don't have, you can wear your clothes right. Anyway, that's anyway. Bless the Lord. That was free. I'm trying to give you an example. Y'all stop now. I'm trying to give you an example. They, they girded belt. When, you're, when your pants are loose, you get a belt. And it binds your pants up, right? It holds them up, right? 
I'm just, I'm just trying to paint the picture for you. So you have been girded. You have been... <laughs> you have been... Thanks, honey. You've been girded with gladness. Gladness has been bound around you. It's okay to be happy. He fills your mouth with joy. He's, he's exchanged... This mourning, the sorrow, the grieving. When, when do you grieve? You grieve over something that you've lost. You grieve over something that once was and now isn't. It's, maybe there's a sudden life change or, or you know, we often relate grieving with death. But, but there's more than that. It might be that you're grieving. You have a guilty conscience and you're grieving over, over the guilt and the shame of your past. God removes the guilt. He looses you from your sackcloth, from your mourning, from your grieving. And he turns your mourning into dancing and binds gladness around you. Now, you might be here this morning and you say, well, pastor, you know, I'm just not a very expressive person. I, you know, I, 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 I'm just not very expressive when it comes to worship. I'm okay. Uh, listen, when gladness has been bound around you, the effect of gladness, you are no longer mourning and sorrowful, but you are dancing and rejoicing. When, when you've really been liberated from grieving and sorrow, when you've really had, had Jesus come and turn your mourning into dancing, and when, when, when He's really come and done, there's, there's, a, there's a leap in your step. There's a dance that, that happens on the inside, and eventually it's going to work its way to the outside. I've said before, sometimes we need to notify our face <laughs> that we're happy. When you bind gladness about you, can you imagine for a moment with me the blind man who was carrying about the beggar's coat? And that's all he knew, his beggar's garment, his beggar's coat. Couldn't work. He lost his ability to care for himself and the ones that he loved because of, a, because of an illness. Grieving, loss, sorrow. But when Jesus came, when Jesus came and healed his eyes, he cast off the beggar's garment. He was taking off the clothes that he used to be identified by. And he was rejoicing in Jesus. They couldn't shut him up. They couldn't stop him. They couldn't shut him up. He, there was a scene. He caused a scene because he was croaking out. Because Jesus had come. It's what the Bible, he was croaking out. He caused such a scene because the garments of mourning had been removed and he had been given a new, new garment. He had been given a new, new clothes had come upon him. He, he didn't have to go, go clothes shopping. Jesus came and gave him something new to wear. And it was the garment of rejoicing. It was the garment of gladness. His, what, what, what inhibited him what, what prevented him from being able to care for himself and others had been removed. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to think about that. 
that mourning, that grieving, that issue that's keeping you from being able to do and to walk in what God's called you to do. When Jesus comes, he takes away the obstacle. He removes the issue and replaces it with a garment of gladness. Gladness to rejoice in him. Gladness to follow Jesus and, and to be one of the, the merry men that were following along Jesus. It, it was okay to be one of Jesus' merry men. It was okay to follow along and, and be glad and rejoice in him. It was okay to walk with Jesus now. His life had been transformed. His life had been changed where he was sad and depressed and begging he now was rejoicing and walking in gladness. It, it, everything changed in a moment. The garments changed. The clothes had changed. He no longer had the smell of his past, but God had made all things new. Romans 13, 14. Love this. Romans 13, 14. But put on. Put on that. It's not a put, by the way. That's a that a is a it's a note letter. It's a footnote letter. Sorry, but put on. Oh, there. Thanks, media. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be clothed. It's the same word, put. That word put, it's the same in duo. It's the same word that's used in Luke 24. To be clothed with, to be endued with, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision. That word in, in the Greek, provision, means to make preparation for the flesh. Now, I just want to, I, I want to talk about this for a moment. I want to dive into this scripture because when, when a bride wants to prepare herself for a wedding, all the ladies in the house go, amen. amen. When you prepare thyself for your wedding day, you, you, it becomes a multi-day affair. It's you got to get the hair done and the nails done and the nails done and the feet done. And the, it's right. Come on, ladies, help me out. I need your help now. You got you, you prepare yourself. You got to have the massage and all the, you got to do, you do the works and then, the dress is absolutely, I mean, you go pick up your dress, and it's, it's flawless. You said yes to the dress, and it's flawless. You've cried over the dress. Mama's cried over the dress. Granny's cried over the dress. Auntie's cried over the Everybody. It, I mean, oh, my goodness. It's an affair, okay? And you bring the dress, and it stays what? It's all concealed in the garment bag because it can't get dirty. You don't want to get it messed up. And, and you go through this whole process of preparation. Men, we just we show up at the church, we put on our clothes, we get, you know, comb the hair, we're good. <laughs> When's this thing starting? I've done a lot of a lot a lot of funerals. I've done a lot of weddings. <laughs> done a lot of funerals too. <laughs> done a lot of funerals too. <laughs> done a, Done a lot of weddings, and, and, and it's funny to watch the weddings. The men are standing around, sitting around, talking, cutting up, having a good time. Where's, where's she at? Is she coming? Oh, she'll be here. 
and, and always, never fails, always a few minutes late. Well, what took so long? Oh, I was finishing my hair. I was doing, you know, they're supposed to have been there 15, 20 minutes ago, and in walks the bride, you know, late, you know, fashionably late, and uh, never fails. And she walks in and goes to her room, and, you know, she's got all of her attendants making sure she stays pretty, and y'all get the picture, right? I've never seen, I've never seen a bride get to the church and walk outside the door and go roll in her white dress in the mud. I've never seen that. I've seen, uh, you've got, you, there's ladies walking around with lint brushes, making sure that the, there's, there's a piece of lint, let's get it. I'm like, oh my goodness, it's going to be okay. They won't see it, I promise. They, she's up here, they're out there, they won't see it. But everything's got to be meticulously perfect. They've made provision for the wedding day. They've made provision. The bride makes provision for, for the I do. The bride, it, I mean, it's five seconds. Think about it. All of that work to stand at an altar and say, I do. Think about it. I mean, I'm not I, just thinking about it. It's a lot of work. But all of that preparation for that moment. All of that preparation. Now, I, I, humor me. I understand that there's more to it than that. But there's, a, there's much greater things happening. I understand that. But, but just for that moment of prep, that, all that preparation. And to make sure that there's no room for dirt. No room for imperfection. Everything, every detail of the ceremony has to be perfect. Even what the pastor is wearing has to be perfect. He's got to wear the right tie to match the colors of the wedding party. Everything's got to be perfect. Look at Romans. To be clothed with Christ. To make no provision for the flesh. We, we should go to such extremes to ensure that we are clothed with Christ. That we are clothed with the garments of salvation. We don't leave home improperly dressed. We don't go about our business through the day wearing the wrong garments. We, we take care to, to know, am I wearing the clothes my father gave me? And I'm, am I wearing the garment of power? Am I wearing the garment of praise? Am I wearing the garment of righteousness? Am I wearing the clothes that my father gave me? And in that, I will make no provision for the flesh. I, I, I want to consume my life with making sure that I'm clothed with His goodness. I, my life is consumed with making sure that I'm prepared for the wedding day. And my, my life is, is, is being prepared for the day where I hear the Master's call. My life is prepared. I don't want to be a foolish virgin. I want to be one that's prepared for the Master's call. I, I want to make sure my life is in order. My garments are on and, and they're spotless. They're clean before Him. And when I, when I occupy my life with that... I don't have time for all the other. I don't, I, my life's too occupied with the garments God gave me. 
My, my life is occupied with the, with the garments of God, the garments of salvation, and I don't have time to be occupied with all the other. I don't have time to make provision. I, I'm, not, I'm not looking around to say, well, can I, can I get away with this? Can I, how close can I get to the mud before I get dirty? How, how, how much can I play in sin before it affects? No, when I'm occupied with, with my Father and the favor of God that He's placed upon me, it consumes everything about my life. Changes everything. Changes everything. Let me wrap up with this. The worship team, y'all can come. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father. It's so wonderful